Hello world and welcome to Podcast in A Minor, where I bring you the weird little songs I write and then give you the stories behind them. Weird stories, creepy stories, funny stories, whatever the world gives us in all its glorious mystery. And now for today's opening song. Welcome to Podcast in A Minor. I'm Amy Zollers, a poet and an artist, and I'm in one of my moods. You just heard Tacoma Tacoma on the reliable old Taylor Gemini mini guitar, acoustic electric, set to acoustic. Ah, Tacoma, Washington. Don't ask me why. I've never been there. But I love to make up stories about it nevertheless. Don't let the truth get in the way, right? This could be considered a sort of follow-up to pond saxophone, if you want. Should we splash around in the lyrics a minute? I'll read them here. Tacoma, Tacoma, you'd better be what I'm picturing in my mind. I'm Anguish's heartsick refugee. Take me in your arms, be kind. Oh, that beautiful self-loathing hectic stare. Chain-smoking fireworks and spicy hair. His dreams of me, so poetic, intense, and stormy blue eyes mangle all good sense. Tacoma, Tacoma, shelter me, take me in your arms, be kind. I'm sick to death of this sick unto death, and I might really run this time. Tacoma, my haunt, let's deny my shame, but now everybody knows your name. Will I stand in courage and face my dread, or fly away to Salem instead? Tacoma, Tacoma, you'd better be what I'm picturing in my mind. I'm Anguish's heartsick refugee. Take me in your arms. Be kind. Oh, I might really run this time. I might really run this time. Well, will she or won't she? There's a lot to rummage through in this junkyard. Will we or won't we? We could just talk about Tacoma, the real Tacoma, the Tacoma of the mind, the non-empirical Tacoma, the only one I know. Tacoma, what's your deal in this song? 
Are you a place to escape to for the hypothetical storyteller, terrified that her chain-smoking adored will become another of the dreadfully ill, strapping her again to a seat in the theater, captive voyeur on yet another slow-dying, pain-racked, cherished one? She might really run this time. Are you a person, Tacoma? A bizarre situation? A fairyland? A dream? Does the moon sing faintly but audibly within your borders? That is one of many things that is so pleasurable about releasing art into the world. It is no longer yours. It belongs to anyone who lingers over it now and finds their own truths and imaginings reflected in it. Neato. Tacoma. Tacoma. I have a vague old memory of singling you out for a character in my mind refuge and in my writing now and then. It must have been on the verge of moving to a more southern state, a hotter climate, which is not my ideal setting, to say it gently. More accurately, it provoked despair. That sounds dramatic, but come on, you know me, in that weird listener-jabberer way. But I became preoccupied with comparing the daily temperatures in my town, even before the move south, to places in Maine, Alaska, the Pacific Northwest. Tacoma, Washington always seemed to be at least 20 degrees cooler on hot days, sometimes more than that, and I was open to a rainy climate for hiding indoors, reading ghost stories. Let's have a Tacoma ghost story. From a database, Unsettling Events, through the website of the Tacoma Public Library. An article written by Bob Lane titled, Ghosts in Tacoma? It's no laughing matter. From the Tacoma News Tribune, February 18th, 1974, excerpts. Are there ghosts in Tacoma? Ask the maintenance men at Old City Hall. What turns off the lights in the tower and rings the bells? Police were called there repeatedly one night this month. Break-in and fire alarms were being set off with no logical explanation. Lights were flicked on in rooms that should have been empty. Guards said they were chasing shadows. No intruders were found. In the tower of Old City Hall hang four huge bells, donated in 1904 by ex-ambassador and Mrs. Hugh C. Wallace in memory of their late daughter, 12 years old. The 60-pound bell clappers are connected by rods to the clock mechanism below. Manager Jim Brewster says the striking mechanism has been disengaged, yet the bells ring in the night. Suspecting pranksters, Brewster one night slept in the tower near the bells. I can tell you in all honesty, there is a spirit up here, Brewster said afterward. Have you ever been alone somewhere and you knew somebody was standing near you? Yes! I mean, no, I don't think so, not me personally. I'm not sensitive in that way, except the one time I saw the frightening ghost man in the dining room, ever so briefly. But yes, to the whole atmosphere of that condensed 1974 news article. And from Six Ghosts That Lurk Around Tacoma by Beth Braden in www.travelchannel.com and trigger warning for dead body and suicide. Five-mile drive trail in Point Defiance Park is popular with walkers, bikers, and the ghost of a teenage girl. In the mid-1980s, joggers stumbled across the body of the teen who had been reported missing. Today, visitors to the trail just may catch a glimpse of the girl near the site where her body was found. There's also something strange about the park's event venue, the Pagoda. Visitors to the Pagoda, 
which was once a trolley terminal, have reported hearing sighing and disembodied footsteps. That ghost is believed to belong to a woman who committed suicide in the trolley station. And from the Unsettling Events database, under the heading Tacoma Sea Monster. What unknown animal hides in the coastal waters of the Pacific Northwest? A creature with a long neck, whiskers, a mane, and a large body with lumps on its back. An animal that makes noises and hisses when it surfaces. By all appearances, an air breather and a mammal. But why would a large air breather be seen so rarely at the surface? Where would this unknown, presumed mammal, perhaps even Heuvelman's hypothetical merhorse, breed? Heuvelman's has attempted to classify marine cryptids according to their characteristics and has hypothesized a variety of new animals to fit the observations. One of them is the merhorse, a long-necked, horse-headed marine mammal with large eyes, whiskers, and a mane similar to many of the observations of caddy. Seals and other pinnipeds congregate in gregarious rookeries. Whales engage in musical frolics. How could such a large, unknown marine mammal be so elusive? The mystery is not likely to be solved in the near future. Sightings are rare and apparently random. The development of funding of a research program that embraces review of evidence, formulation of hypotheses, search strategy, and instrument design in what is, after all, a legitimate scientific question, tends to be thwarted by the stigma of frivolity that mars the subject, as well as by the absence of any obvious practical application. Cryptozoology, without a clear prospect for the betterment or enlightenment of humankind, remains a science that seems too pure for most oceanographers to pursue seriously. Huh. Paul H. LeBlond is a professor of oceanography and director of the Program of Earth and Ocean Sciences, University of British Columbia, Vancouver, B.C., Canada. His scientific interests range across the field of physical oceanography, including waves, tides, coastal currents, and the influence of the ocean environment on fisheries. LeBlond has been collecting eyewitness reports on marine cryptids since 1967. His article is adapted from Mysteries of the North American West, Fulcrum Publishing, 1993. The Unsettling Events Database, available to anyone with internet access through the Tacoma Public Library website, just soldered Tacoma to a corner of my heart. It lists entries for fires, kidnappings, climbing deaths on Mount Rainier and Mount Hood, curses, massacres, earthquakes, UFOs, Sasquatch, ghosts, and of course, more. It is a treasure, a credit to public libraries, a blessing. Now briefly, back to the subject of sea monsters. I have a Cryptids of America poster in my basement lair showing silhouettes of hidden creatures reportedly sighted, matched to corresponding numbers on the map. A dinosaur-like creature called Willituck appears in the state of Washington, Puget Sound area, an aquatic creature, right there on the official Cryptids of America art map. The map must be accurate. There's Momo the Missouri Monster, present and correct. Keep your woodland secrets, please, deep in those Missouri trees. See episode 17, Cryptid Campfire. Whoa! Guess what? I just checked the cryptid's map on the wall behind me to verify that Willituck is, in fact, a dinosaur-style aquatic creature 
And guess who ain't on the map? Willituck? Nope. More on that later. Caddy, as mentioned in the article above, is on the map, however, a sea monster of coastal Oregon and Washington, kind of like a merhorse with a serpent's tail. Also, the map isn't even called Cryptids of America. It's called Monsters in America. Hey, everyone, the sky is brown. I'm Amy Zollers. At least I think I am. So then, from the Cryptomundo article, Willituck, the legend of Seattle sea serpent, wins a stiffy at Seattle Indie Fest by Ken Holsey. Anyway, the city that made really good caffeinated beverages and garage bands, household names, is about to have another claim to fame, the Willituck Sea Serpent. Never heard of it? Not too surprising. For decades, the monster has been living in the shadow of Seattle's other more famous monstrosities, Sasquatch, the Seahawks, Mariners, and the ghost of Kurt Cobain. (laughs) For centuries, the Native Americans around Puget Sound have encountered what can only be described as a living dinosaur. As the legend goes, the first tribes to encounter the creature lived in fear of it, even tried to hunt it down. But as the decades passed, the mysterious monster became regarded as sacred. There are even stories of the monster coming to the aid of the Indians to drive away packs of wild wolves. Had you go in there for a second, didn't I? Still in the article, that line, not me. Okay, there is no Willituck Sea Serpent. The monster is actually the brainchild of Seattle filmmaker Oliver Tuthill Jr., who decided to create his own legend, combining his fascination with the Loch Ness Monster, Native American culture, and history. Though the Pacific Northwest has many legends of sea monsters, Tuthill wanted to do something different and mapped out a 300-year history as a backstory for his film. For three years, the filmmaker and producer Dan Schwert threw their heart, soul, and bank accounts into Willituck. Though their monster movie was a small-scale production, the two Seattle natives were able to land two big-name players for the production, Washington Congressman Jim McDermott and Academy Award-nominated actor Graham Greene from Dances with Wolves as the film's narrator. So the filmmaker Oliver Tuthill Jr. decided to make up his own legend, Fabulous, and do a film about it in 2010. Well, he did have me going. I believed my cryptid map. Oh, that I thought said that, but it doesn't. But I believed whatever I read in some book somewhere about Willituck, that at least someone had seen something interpreted as a sea monster. In fact, many someones across centuries. And that the legend existed, true or not, until a couple of days ago. Magnificent. To conclude, the final piece in my poetry collection, Ordeal in French Lipstick, is my favorite for its loopy weirdness that feels just how I sometimes feel when untethered emotionally. Jumping around, floating away, and Tacoma, Washington comes up in connection to comeuppance and the like. The title of the piece is Spasms Catalogued, and now I give you some examples after this trigger warning for death, elevators, and stabbing. I fled to Tacoma, Washington, and received my comeuppance when I died in an elevator mishap. Then I hopped on a plane to Tacoma, Washington, to receive my comeuppance. And the actual beginning comeuppance line, unrelated to Tacoma, and got my comeuppance when a traveling salesman stabbed me in the throat, a very popular flapper death. Okay, Tacoma, that's you. 
That's what you look like in my mind. A cheery white and yellow lay donut with barred windows. Puget Sound with a somehow reassuring aquatic cryptid. Calming, cleansing rains. And some sort of elusive harmony. Now coming your way. The song's ending, repeated, but this time with a vocal harmony. Worked in my famously unpolished, anti-perfectionist, low-tech style. Two-phone harmony. This often makes the guitar and lead line sound tinny, and yet there's something to enjoy in a film of myself singing along with my recent past or distant past self. It's surreal. In viewing it, it starts to seem like, even when I hadn't originally planned to add a harmony, my past self is aware of the team-up of self with self. A new self, three hours after the earlier self, has undergone three hours of life change. Right? Okie doke. Right on. See you next time. It's my ruin, the plan I must, and 